The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean has partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your happy place. And with more than 400 national parks, there's a good chance you'll find one close to home. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. Barbecue has played a surprisingly important role in United States presidential politics over the years. George Washington was a Virginia-style barbecue enthusiast. He fed his soldiers a barbecue feast at the end of the Revolutionary War. When the cornerstone of the Capitol building was laid, he presided over the event that had a 500-pound ox barbecued Old Virginia style. Adams wrote that barbecues tinge the minds of people. They impregnate them with the sentiments of liberty. They render the people fond of their leaders in the cause and averse and bitter against all opposers. Recently, archaeologists discovered a barbecue pit on the south lawn of Montpelier that was in use during Madison's lifetime. And as President Jackson was traveling to Fredericksburg to attend a barbecue, the first recorded instance of physical assault on an American president occurred. A soldier who had faced a court-martial for misconduct stopped the president on the road and grabbed him by the nose and shook it as retribution before running away. After the Civil War and before television, when many Americans weren't guaranteed three solid meals a day, a free barbecue dinner was a compelling incentive to listen to a politician pitch for votes. But one president made barbecue an art form. I'm Jason Epperson, and on today's episode, the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park, the Texas White House as it's known, in Stonewall, Texas. Here's Abigail Trebue. Johnson spent summers helping out on his uncle Clarence Martin's cattle ranch along the Paternalis River. Johnson's attachment to this land was strong, having been born down the road on a farm which had originally been settled by his grandfather. Young Lyndon's fond memories of family gatherings at the Martin house and his daydreams of becoming a rancher were the genesis of his desires to one day own this piece of the Texas hill country. In 1951, Johnson's widowed aunt gave him that chance. In return for a lifetime right to Johnson's mother's house in Johnson City, Frank Martin gave her dilapidated 250-acre ranch to Senator Johnson. He soon began what became a continuous series of improvements to the newly christened LBJ Ranch. Not everyone was confident that Senator Johnson could become a successful rancher. When Johnson applied for a loan to purchase cattle, Percy Brigham, Blanco National Bank president, reportedly told him, Lyndon, if you want to just walk around in yellow cowboy boots and proclaim yourself a rancher, that's one thing. But if you intend to make money ranching, I hope you know something about cattle. But Johnson applied his prodigious energy and determination into creating a showcase 2,700-acre ranch, complete with 400 head of registered Hereford cattle. 
All at once, he acquired the image of a Western rancher and a place to recharge his batteries. Both of these contributions from the LBJ ranch would be invaluable as he entered the harsh spotlight of national politics. During his demanding tenure as Senate Majority Leader, Vice President, and finally President of the United States, Johnson still managed to keep his finger on the pulse of the LBJ ranch. His near-daily phone calls from Washington to check on the rainfall or the suitability of a pasture for grazing were often frustrating for Johnson's ranch foreman, Dale Melchek. But it was these discussions of routine matters that helped give Johnson a sense of control in a decade marked by divisive social issues and fracturing foreign conflicts. The LBJ Ranch also served as Johnson's stage. Visitors to the ranch included notable figures like President Richard M. Nixon, President Harry S. Truman, then-President-elect John F. Kennedy, Reverend Billy Graham, the President of Mexico, and the Chancellor of West Germany. Guests would be loaded into one of the white Lincoln Continental convertibles for a personalized tour of the ranch, often at dizzying speeds. No tour would be complete without a drive through the center of the show barn to admire the prize-winning Hereford cattle. Registered Hereford sold for breeding purposes constituted a large portion of a rancher's income, and stock shows played a large part in determining the worth of select animals. Cattle were painstakingly pampered and groomed for these shows in the show barn. Prize-winning cattle would command higher prices when sold as registered bulls or show calves to 4-H club members, future farmers of America students, or other ranchers. Johnson was keenly aware of the practical advantage to winning such prizes. He would often drive past the scale and loading chute near the show barn telling his guests, that's where the cattle go out and the money comes in. The show barn was a symbol of Johnson's increasing sophistication. The center for Johnson's early ranching operation was the Martin Barn near the main ranch house. With cattle operations located so close to the main house, guests would often watch, and more often than not, interfere with the ranch work. Mrs. Johnson did not relish the thought of someone getting hurt, and she did not particularly care for the smells and noises of the nearby cattle. To alleviate his wife's concerns, President Johnson moved his cattle operation in 1966 to a new show barn, about a mile north of the house. During his presidency, Johnson signed into law almost 300 bills dealing with environmental protection and other resource conservation issues. At LBJ Ranch, he utilized new ranching practices that demonstrated these stewardship concepts and increased the revenue potential of the ranch. Pastures were fenced to allow grazing rotation, fields were terraced to prevent soil erosion, and tanks, or ponds, were constructed to catch surface water runoff. More than 1,100 acres were planted in improved variety of grasses, Johnson built one of the first liquid fertilizer plants in this area and had the ranch soil analyzed to determine the proper ingredients for the fertilizer. With additional irrigation and fertilizer, a rancher could graze two cows and calves per acre, 
instead of the one cow and calf per 16 acres that was more typical for unimproved pastures. But beef wasn't just grown at what became known as the Texas White House. It was consumed there. A weekend barbecue, Texas style, at President Johnson's ranch. The guests, Latin American diplomats and their wives. The menu, beef, chicken, pork ribs, and sourdough biscuits. The President and Mrs. Johnson, joined by expectant mother Lucy Johnson Nugent, greet some 30 foreign envoys. The party is a social prelude to a Latin American summit meeting in Uruguay. Lyndon and Lady Bird Johnson hosted large Texas-style barbecues along the Pedernales River in a grove of trees near their home. Guests of honor hailed from such places as Mexico, West Germany, Pakistan, and from nations throughout Latin America. As his political career progressed, the barbecues got bigger and more elaborate. And as more important guests came to Hill Country, Lady Bird remodeled the home to host them in style. The ranch eventually included several guest suites, a swimming pool, a radio tower, and an airstrip capable of handling small jets. Walter Jetton was his caterer of choice, and he fed a group of 300 at the first barbecue state dinner. It was held on December 29, 1963, for the West German Chancellor Ludwig Erhard. LBJ would continue to host heads of state and diplomats at the Texas White House throughout his tenure. One of the largest barbecues was on April 1, 1967, with 35 Latin American ambassadors and their wives. There was a huge reenactment of the settling of Texas by Native Americans, followed by Spaniards, then Anglo cowboys, complete with buckboards and cattle. The menu included 30 gallons of ranch beans, potato salad, sourdough biscuits, stewed apricots, corn on the cob, brisket, spare ribs, half chickens, and beef turned over a fire on a spit. Ribs and little sausages were served as hors d'oeuvres. The many civil accomplishments of the Johnson administration were overshadowed by his catastrophic handling of the Vietnam War. The president decided not to run for re-election and returned home to retire in 1969, where he grew his hair long, drank, smoked, and listened to Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water over and over. When his daughter tried to pull him out of the funk, he said, No, I've raised you girls, I've been president, and now it's my time. Johnson recorded an hour-long television interview with Walter Cronkite at the ranch on January 12, 1973, in which he discussed his legacy, particularly with regards to the civil rights movement. He was still smoking heavily at the time and told Cronkite that it was better for his heart to smoke than to be nervous. Ten days later, at approximately 3.39 p.m. Central Time, on January 22, 1973, 
Johnson suffered a massive heart attack in his bedroom. He managed to telephone the Secret Service agents on the ranch, who found him still holding the telephone receiver, unconscious and not breathing. He was airlifted in one of his own planes to San Antonio and taken to Brook Army Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead on arrival. He was 64 years old. The Johnsons donated the ranch to the nation with the stipulation that it continue to be operated as a working ranch. To that end, the National Park Service maintains a herd of Hereford cattle descended from Johnson's registered herd and manages the ranch lands as a living demonstration of ranching the LBJ way. The Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park is located both in Johnson City, Texas and 14 miles down the road in Stonewall. Visit Johnson City first, where you'll see the National Park Service Visitor Center with a museum containing many artifacts of the Johnson presidency. Here you can take a one mile round trip trail through the historic Johnson settlement, 1800s cabins and barns belonging to the Johnson ancestors. You can also take a ranger guided tour of Johnson's boyhood home. The Texas White House on the LBJ Ranch is located in Stonewall and it's a National Park Service site, but to get to it, you have to make a stop at the LBJ State Park Visitor Center, where you'll get a permit to drive into the ranch. It's a bit strange, but there's also a nice film and some more Johnson memorabilia at the state park. When you drive onto the ranch property, just outside the main entrance sign is the one-room schoolhouse Johnson studied in. He returned here to sign the Elementary and Secondary Education Act with his grade school teacher at his side. As you continue into the ranch, you'll pass a recreation of Johnson's birth home and then the modest Johnson family cemetery where the president is buried. You'll then drive through the pastures where Johnson's still active herd of Hereford cattle roam, encircling the LBJ airstrip and passing the infamous show barn. You'll then park at yet another visitor center, which is hard to miss because it has a Lockheed Jetstar, a former Air Force One, emblazoned in a presidential paint job sitting outside. In the visitor center, you can sign up to take a tour around the Texas White House. They don't allow people into the house anymore due to structural concerns, but you walk around it and see in the windows and gaze at the famous swimming pool. There's also a wonderful collection of Johnson's favorite cars, including a fire truck just for the ranch and a rare amphibious car he used to scare guests in, pretending the brakes were failing while driving into a pond. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and narrated by Abigail Trebu. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. We'll link to all of our social media as well as National Park Service resources, music credits, and more in the show notes at nationalparkpodcast.com. If you're interested in RV travel, give us a listen over at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country in our converted school bus with our three boys at ourwanderingfamily.com. This land is your land. This land is my California 
York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.